episode 131 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, well, thank you very much for coming back. And if you're new around here, I am your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow and reach out to me over on Twitter where you can bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, whatever you've got as they relate to, of course, the game of Overwatch, the Overwatch League or uh, the former Overwatch League, as we'll talk about on today's show. Or just Blizzard games or video games in general. I love to talk about games and I'd love to talk with you about them. So hit me up over on socials with your questions. Now you can of course find this podcast on podcast services everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc, etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, I also encourage you, if you enjoy what you hear today, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast where I, along with my two co-hosts, Chris and Alex, dive into everything Toronto Defiant and uh, Vancouver Titans related in the Overwatch League. Now, of course, as we'll talk about on today's show, uh, we have a little bit of news about uh, the Toronto Defiant and the Overwatch League. So uh, I'll just say tune in to next week's episode of Ready, Set, Pwn for uh, an announcement about our future plans uh, because we've we've got something uh, something changing, that's for sure. Now, this is One Man Watchpoint where the future is yet unknown. So, of course, let's dive into the show, and we'll talk just about everything that's gone on on the past two weeks in Overwatch and around the Overwatch League. I'll do this alone if I have to. All right, so the first thing we have to talk about before we get into the news is, of course, a couple of uh, PSAs. Our first one, of course, being the La Seraphim crossover event is coming to an end. That's right. I believe uh, by the time you're listening to this, it will be ending in uh, less than a week. If I'm not mistaken, it ends on the uh, 21st of November. That is this upcoming Tuesday. So if you've not got your skins, your emotes, your victory poses, um, or your wins to qualify for the uh, free legendary Junkrat Seraphim crossover skin, then get in there, get your get your wins, get your earnings, get your skins and everything, because that event is, of course, coming to an end soon. I know for myself, I've actually been pleasantly surprised by how much I've been enjoying this event and by how much I actually enjoy this crossover. I think they did a really great job, but of course, we've talked about this on previous episodes of One Man Watchpoint, so I won't get into it too much. I did officially uh, earn my Junkrat skin last night, um, although I'm still making my way through uh, through some of the, the final couple challenges just to see if I get that uh, name card title, uh, not name card, that title uh, for just for kicks, you know. I don't really care too much about it, but hey, I might just get it. So get in there and get your wins so you can earn your skins. Now, of course, the other PSA we have is a special one for PlayStation Plus members. That's right, PlayStation Plus members can now get a free bundle. That's the Zenyatta's Toybot skin and five tier skips if you simply search for the Overwatch 2 bonus pack on the PlayStation Store. Now, of course, that's for PlayStation console players only, uh, but if you don't have that skin, it is a good one, a good legendary skin for Zenyatta, um, and a timely one given we are entering the holiday season, and it's obviously, you know, themed around toys and such. Um, But those uh, Battle Pass tier skips never hurt, that's for sure. So, get to the PlayStation Store and claim your rewards. Now, that's going to be it for our PSAs here. So let's just head on over to the news and we'll talk about what's making the rounds these days and, of course, what's happened over the past two weeks. Um, As you may remember, our last episode was just before BlizzCon, uh, the week prior to BlizzCon, and, of course, now that BlizzCon has come and gone, there's a whole bunch of news that broke. So first things first, uh, before we actually get into the BlizzCon recap, I'm actually going to save that towards the end of the show just because uh, I think this this show tends to lean more into the Overwatch League news. Um, so I'm actually going to talk a little bit about that stuff first. So our timeline here will be a little bit all over the place, but uh, we'll jump around. We'll have a good time. So first things first, uh, before we get too far into it, of course, I want to congratulate the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia on winning the Overwatch World Cup. Uh, of course, they took a... a um, 
uh, a surprise win, a surprise comeback over the team from China. Um, I certainly, myself, I personally was cheering for China uh, once once Canada was eliminated. I mean, to me, China was the GOAT and uh, being, you know, basically the Hangzhou spark reincarnated as the team from China. I was very excited to see them uh, doing so well. Of course, they eliminated the, uh, the Korean team from South Korea uh, from contention there. Um, but overall, I mean, the takeaway from World Cup was there was some fantastic Overwatch easily some of the best we've seen um in recent memory i mean of course the overwatch league grand finals have a special place in my heart and there were some phenomenal matches there but uh that final kingdom of saudi arabia against team china may have just been one of the best matches in overwatch league or in yeah i guess technically overwatch history but uh overwatch league ish history um and of course the uh team from china against korea when when china won and eliminated uh korea that was another banger of a match you know just all around banger matches in the world cup action on those uh final couple days there um so congrats to the team from saudi arabia the kingdom of saudi arabia congrats sir majid of course uh former toronto defiant player um they played admirably not the team i would have wanted to win of course but you know they they came out on top nonetheless so congratulations to them of course the final was at blizzcon so uh you know a nice little lead into blizzcon action there but i digress we're actually not going to go into the blizzcon action we're going to jump over to a little bit of overwatch league action so we're going to follow that thread instead of following the other thread we are on divergent timelines here if you've been watching loki you know what i'm talking about uh we're following the overwatch league thread and unfortunately this is the worst timeline when it comes to the overwatch league so Let's head over to dotesports.com uh, with an article by Matt Porter posted on November 8th, where first we'll, we'll start at square one when it comes to the future of the Overwatch League, and that will lead nicely into, of course, uh, our, our square two, if you will. All right, our article here reads, Toronto Defiant becomes second team to officially leave Overwatch League. Overactive Media, the parent company of the Toronto Defiant, confirmed today it is exiting the Overwatch League. In a statement on November 8th, OAM, of course, Overactive Media, announced it has entered a final agreement with Activision Blizzard to end its spell in the franchise league. According to the statement, Overactive Media will receive a termination payout, sorry, payment of $6 million from Activision Blizzard. OEM's co-founder and interim CEO, Adam Adamu, friend of uh, One Man Watchpoint and friend of Ready Set Poem, said that despite the company's decision to terminate its contract with the Owl, it still has intentions to compete in Overwatch esports in the future. Quote, our commitment to our teams and esports is stronger than ever, he said. We believe this is a move this move is a crucial step to ensuring the their continued success. We're eager to share more about our vision for Toronto Defiant and our plans to return to Overwatch Esports. We expect more information to come on this front soon. Toronto Defiant is the second team to officially end its relationship with the Overwatch League in 2023, following the Chengdu Hunters in June. Serious doubt was cast over the Overwatch League's future back in June when it was announced that teams would be allowed to vote on the future of the competition with the option to exit the league and receive a termination fee. On November 3rd, Jacob Wolf reported that the Overwatch League is essentially finished with Activision Blizzard eyeing Saudi Arabian-owned ESL. I believe that's eSports. No, I'm not even going to speculate. I can't remember what it is for some reason off the top of my head. Uh, to take charge of running a new open circuit ecosystem. The dissolution of the OWL could be an expensive process for Activision Blizzard's new owner, Microsoft, who may have to foot the $120 million bill should every organization choose to take the $6 million termination payout. I'm actually just looking for ESL. I, can't, I don't remember what ESL stands for, but there it's ESL Face It Group, so I believe it's esports league face it group something like that anyways face it is what they're often referred to as as well so anyways um obviously that is the that was the um what's the what's the term that was the first domino to fall with respect to the the overwatch league right um i mean if you don't count you know the chengdu hunters and jacob wolf's report and everything else uh circulating the drain um, if you don't count that as the first domino, right? This, this was the first concrete sort of domino in confirming the end of the Overwatch League uh, as we knew it. So that was announced, of course, um, OAM being a major player and also being um, one of the organizations that I think many people had, had high hopes for uh, continuing to stay in the league or wanting to stay in the league, um, you know, Although I think the general sentiment was that the Overwatch League was done, I also think that 
people who were sort of clinging to some of that hope or or maybe had just a little bit of hope in the back of their mind were looking at organizations like the Toronto Defiant and Overactive Media and saying these guys are putting on a show you know they hosted grand finals they put on this great event they want this to continue they want to celebrate uh, esports in Canada they want this to be big they will not vote to to leave um and I think, I mean, if you listen to this show, if you listen to Ready, Set, Pwn, you obviously know that I had always been of the opinion that even though they were maybe one of the more prosperous or more celebrated franchises, um, they'd be crazy not to take a deal to uh, change things, right? To force some change. So certainly there were some reactions on Twitter about people being shocked that, you know, the Defiant were, were bowing out when they thought they would stay. Again, I personally never thought they would. Um, or at least, you know, once I kind of came to terms with things, I realized that they would be silly to stay. Um, so anyways, shocking news and sort of a bomb drop after everything ended with uh, BlizzCon. There were rumors that the vote had taken place shortly after BlizzCon. And of course, that was somewhat confirmed by this announcement and then subsequent announcements after that. So that leads us over to GG Recon with an article by Sasha Heinisch. Of course, this is Yiska. Also posted on November 8th, which reads, Blizzard confirms it is, quote, transitioning from Overwatch League amid team withdrawals. The Overwatch League could be officially over. In a statement given to GG Recon, an OWL spokesperson confirmed that the league will be transitioning to a new model. Quote, we are transitioning from the Overwatch League and evolving competition, sorry, competitive Overwatch in a new direction. We are grateful to everyone who made OWL possible and remain focused on building our vision of a revitalized esports program. We are excited to share details with you all in the near future, end quote. The news arrived after the Toronto Defiant had confirmed their exit from the Overwatch League and would be eligible to receive the $6 million cancellation fee. The Chengdu Hunters had previously exited the Overwatch League before the start of its sixth season. The Overwatch League had remained in limbo amid a vote on an updated franchise agreement. With the vote's resolution, a new competitive ecosystem will have to be found. It is expected that Blizzard Entertainment will work with the third-party tournament, organizers ESL Faceit Group, and WDG Esports to plan the future of the Overwatch esports ecosystem. So, of course, a little bit of rehashing there from Sasha. Uh, from Sasha. Jeez. From Yiska. Um, but overall, this essentially confirms it. Now, I'm, I'm a little... At this point, you know... Sa uh, why do I keep wanting to call him Sasha? Yiska was a little bit uh, hesitant, I think, to make a definitive statement, but, um, you know, he says the Overwatch League could, have, could officially be over. Well, this was all but the confirmation kind of thing. So um, we do know now that, of course, the Overwatch League is no more. Um, other teams and organizations have, of course, announced their departure. Um, recently, I think... Uh, Gator actually did a stream, of course, Gator from the Atlanta Rain organization did a stream where he kind of, you know, spilled some juice. And, and he did say that the Atlanta org was uh, was one of the few teams or organizations that wanted to stay in the Overwatch League. Now, that to me is a little bit of a little bit of hearsay, um, although I'm certain he was, you know, in conversations like that and things like that. Um, I think realistically, with the outlook at Overwatch or about the Overwatch League being what it was, I think every organization likely planned to get out. Um, you know, they, they may have, yes, oh yeah, we'd, we'd love to stay. Oh, we wish things could be different. Yeah, that's, that's different than looking at the business side of things and saying, um, we're bleeding money here. We're not making anything. And this thing needs to be blown up and reconstructed. Um, you know, there are teams and organizations here who do not want to be here and who do not deserve to be here anymore. Let's get them out and let's restructure things. Right. Um, I think I I've talked before about, uh, Adam Adamu, of course, coming on the ready set Pwn podcast and talking about the fact that, you know, at this point we have five, six years of learnings under our belt. Let's take those learnings. Let's build something new. Let's build something fresh. Let's build something that uh, supports the ecosystem better than the Overwatch League did. Because, of course, the Overwatch League did have its own, you know, struggles and problems. So, anyways, lots of orgs now coming out and, and saying they're over if they hadn't already. Um, the Houston Outlaws, of course, having a terrible, terrible time rebranding and things like that. So, anyways, the Overwatch League, as we know it, is over. Um, I'm looking at the timestamp here. We're 15 minutes into the episode, and... That's our Overwatch League news, very <laughs> sadly and unfortunately. That's really all we have to talk about with respect to the Overwatch League. Um, 
And a part of that is because, well, realistically, does does anything else matter? Um, you know, we know those teams that had signed players already announced they had signed players or, or are, were keeping players. Of course, Boston and the Washington Justice come to mind. Even the Toronto Defiant keeping um, uh, Casora's head coach on board. Um, you know, I have to assume that those organizations are now dealing with that. I'll be curious to hear if we find any news out about that. And of course, we'll also be curious to find out um, what things look like for in the future for Overwatch League. Um, I know I, I've spoken about this many times on my show, so I won't rehash things, but uh, I think there is a future with over with competitive Overwatch on a professional level. Um, I think it is on a, grand, a smaller scale than, of course, our previous Overwatch League was. Um, and I'm excited to see what that looks like. Uh, I... I have concerns i have my own personal worries and doubts um and also it feels a little bit like a reset point where um you know depending on what things look like this this slightly overwatch league podcast may simply become an overwatch podcast and we may have uh you know less to talk about but we'll see what happens there uh you know we'll see what the future holds for now it is, of course, November 15th, and uh, as of time of recording, as of the time you're listening to this, it'll be after that. Um, I do usually record on Tuesdays, but I'm recording on a Wednesday because I was lazy last night. Um, but for now, of course, we are in our two-week rotation, which normally happens during the Overwatch League offseason, but again, we now have an indefinite offseason. Um, so we'll continue with two weeks for every two weeks for now. I'm kind of thinking what I, what I may actually do is... Uh, do one more episode in November. Of course, that would record on the 28th of November, take us, you know, post around the 29th. I may take December off, take that as a hiatus kind of thing, and see what news we find out in the new year uh, before kind of returning and evaluating what exactly is next for One Man Watchpoint. Um, like I say, I think I think that's kind of a nice end to things for now, is at least make it to the end of November. I, I may still record in December. We'll see what kind of news drops and everything like that. But for now, I'll make it through November for sure, and next episode, uh, I'll, I'll provide an update on uh, what One Man Watchpoint's plans are for the future. Anyways, that's the depressing Overwatch League news. Now, let's get into some more current news. Um, of course, we have a couple things to talk about here, one being the big BlizzCon breakdown. So I'm going to get to that. The other news after that is, of course, the Roadhog rework has dropped. Um, it is live now. It went live this past uh, Tuesday on Patch Day. And I'll cover that as well. But first, I kind of want to get into the BlizzCon breakdown because it was uh, quite large. Now, actually, you know what? Before that, I'm going to go Roadhog first, okay? Roadhog is the more current, the more recent news. The, of course, BlizzCon breakdown is, at this point, I mean, relatively old news. Of course, the uh, article that I actually have here... Uh, was posted, let's see, uh, right after BlizzCon, so around the 6th or 7th. The article is actually, I just pulled up a post from Reddit um, on r slash Overwatch, which kind of breaks things down in a nice sort of summary. But let's get into Roadhog, uh, and then we'll do the BlizzCon recap. So I have an article up here from Polygon.com, written by Michael McWhorter, uh, posted on November 14th, of course, which reads, Overwatch's Roadhog gets a rework that's bigger than it looks. Now, he goes in-depth here, Um I'm going to read the actual, the reason I pulled up this this article is because he has the patch notes breakdown, but then he kind of discusses it a little bit. I'm just going to read the patch note breakdown here a little bit, and then I'll kind of talk about my experience with it because I have actually played him a bit, um, and I'm still kind of getting used to how he plays. So let's dive in there. So first things first, his scrap gun. Previously, we had a secondary fire. Of course, we had the uh, short range primary fire and then a air quotes long range secondary fire. Now, that long range, I think, has been mostly useless for a long time. Um, you used to be able to one-shot, headshot people with it um, if you aimed it, you know, just perfect. But I think they removed that quite a while ago. So anyways, the secondary fire has been removed entirely. Total damage per shot has been increased from 150 to 160. Shotgun pellet count has been reduced from 25 to 16. So you used to get six, uh, sorry, 25 little pellets shooting out of his gun. Now you only get 16, but they're in a much more uniform pattern. That's the biggest change here. Shotgun pellet damage increased from 6 to 6.25, so you're getting more damage out of those fewer shots. The, it now fires a shrapnel volley of four large projectiles in the center of the shot. So 
the interesting thing is you see this very visually when you do this in a training arena or you just fire against a wall, right? You see a cluster in the center with uh, the shrapnel damage around that. Each shrapnel projectile deals 15 damage and critical damage multiplier reduced from two times to 1.5 times. So those are the big changes to his main gun, um, his primary fire there. So you no longer have that secondary fire. You now only have the, the primary fire. Um, if we're talking controller, of course, that's R2. No more L2 uh, in terms of or left ZL, whatever they call it on Xbox. Um, no more of that long-range secondary fire. Now, the other thing is the big changes to take a breather. So take a breather, of course, was previously just healed Roadhog. Uh, it was a certain amount of health that just blasted into him, even if he was, you know, didn't really need to use all that health. So the way they've changed this, I'm actually going to read a little bit of the article here. Um, so the button is moving to secondary fire, or, you know, so on controller, L2, or right-click on uh, on your mouse. It's also now resource-based, and when consumed, refills over time, similar to how Bastion's self-repair ability used to work. Rather than consume a whole bunch of healing at once, Roadhog players will instead be able to heal a little or a lot, depending on how much healing gas, or whatever his little canister is on that skin, is in the canister. Minimum heal on Take a Breather will be 84 HP up to a 450 HP max. So the article here quotes uh, the, the details from Blizzard. Quote, turning Take a Breather into something that's on a resource just allows him to be for 95% of situations that he wants to use it just as effective. Uh, this is Alec Dawson from the Overwatch team. You're still able to get that damage resistance, resistance. You're still able to get that healing in. And then you don't have to use the entire cooldown. You can use half if you only need half. So it allows you to just play a lot better for your team and tank damage when you may need to and have damage reduction at will, basically. That can be quite effective. So the interesting thing about that, of course, um, previously when you were using Take a, take a Breather, uh, you basically had increased defense, so you took less damage. But now you have more control over when you're taking that less damage. It's working similarly to... Um, in a lot of ways, Orisa's, uh, whatever it is, when she spins her javelin, Doomfist's block when he holds up his arm, or uh, Ramatra's block when he, of course, um, is in his, uh, whatever his, his his giant mode is, and then he puts his arms in front of himself, right? It absorbs some of that damage, but it also heals Roadhog, which is a little different. Quote, then if you look at things like stuns or in-game or some, uh, sorry, stuns in our game or some sort of soft CC abilities like Orisa's spear that used to just knock you out of your ability entirely, when you're using Take a Breather now, Orisa will just spear you and you'll get the one second cooldown, but Roadhog can go right back to healing. So it softens some of the counters Roadhog had previously as well. So previously, Orisa javelins Roadhog using that Take a Breather and it interrupts it. Now it knocks him back, it interrupts it, but he can use it again as long as he still has some of that meter charge available. So here's the actual patch notes from Blizzard. Take a breather. Now activated by holding secondary fire, cooldown for each use decreased from 8 seconds to 1 second. A new resource meter has been added. This meter will deplete while take a breather is active and then recharge while it's not in use. Take a breather requires 12 seconds to reach full charge from empty. At a full charge, take a breather can heal up to 450 health over 3 seconds. Take a breather will now remain active as long as its assigned hotkey is held. An option to toggle take a breather has been added under options controls Roadhog. Damage reduction decreased from 50% to 30%, so you're actually you're not taking as little damage anymore and no longer amplifies healing received upon ending. I actually didn't realize that take a breather did that last point. So anyways, um, that's an interesting change. This, this is all a, <coughs> a fairly big change to how Roadhog plays, right? Um, rather than just popping that ability and waiting on the cooldown, you now have a lot more control over how much of it, how little of it, um, as well as control over that incoming damage uh, reduction. So, Then, of course, we have Roadhog's new ability, Pig Pen. I'm going to read the Blizzard patch notes, and then I'll kind of talk a little bit about it. This is a new ability assigned to Ability 2 by default. Launch a trap that slows and damages nearby enemies, deals 60 damage when triggered, and 30 damage per second in an area. 3 second duration once activated, 40% movement speed slow, and cooldown is 12 seconds. So this one is kind of interesting because, again, it's very similar in my mind to um, Ramatra's, I don't even know what the ability is called, uh, whatever the ability is where he throws out the little ball and it creates that sort of aura on the ground that, um, yes, with Ramatra, it actually has the ability to pull people out of the sky, but it's that area of effect on a single spot that slows and damages um, 
the whatever's in that area, right? It's it to me, this is very similar to that Ramatra ability. Um, and what we're seeing is, of course, we're bringing Roadhog into kind of that. I don't want to say exactly the same territory as Ramatra because, of course, Roadhog will play somewhat more brawly because that shotgun blast doesn't have quite the range that Ramatra has with his his uh, whatever his staff fire is called his primary fire, I guess. Um, but it is very interesting. The biggest problem I have with this pig pen ability, having used it a few times now, is that um, visually it's kind of hard to see. I find with Roadhog's two traps, it's not that big of a deal. Of course, Roadhog's, uh, Roadhog's mine uh, generally has a blinking element to it, but of course, it's not meant to be the most obvious thing so that Roadhog can actually blow you up. Uh, whereas Roadhog's, um, that bear trap, uh, his actual trap, is a lot larger than the mine. It's a lot more obvious when you see it on the map. The problem with this pig pen ability that I'm finding is yes, it has a visual element to it where you can see it kind of spider out, but I don't think it's as obvious as I would prefer it to be. Whereas you throw the Ramatra one and you see it, you can tell where that ability is. Um, Sojourn, of course, has that kind of a similar uh, secondary shot there. I guess it's not her secondary fire. Her secondary fire is the, the charge. Um, but anyways, Sojourn has that similar kind of ball that she shoots out and it hits an area, damages and slows. Um, so that's my biggest complaint about it is actually that it's kind of hard to notice. Um, and I don't actually say that as an enemy fighting against a Roadhog. I say that as someone playing as the Roadhog and having used the ability. On some of the map geometry, I was in particular, I was playing on Antarctica and I actually found it hard to see when I, I threw my own trap down and I was kind of duking it out with someone and I almost kind of lost track of it. And I had a moment of, do I need to activate it? Similar to how uh, Junkrat, you know, triggers his mind. But no, um, it was just, we were kind of playing, maybe we were too close to it, too on top of it. So that's why I didn't really see it. But anyways, I digress. It's kind of a minor complaint. Um, but overall, um, I don't feel terrible about this rework. Yes, I know certainly people were saying, oh, all you did was give him one new ability. Um, they, they didn't touch his his uh, hook, of course, which, I mean, the hook is integral to, to Roadhog play, right? That's, you know, that's a classic Roadhog move is, is throwing the hook. So overall, certainly I think there were some more drastic, more dramatic changes circulating the, circulating the internet that they could have made. I think this retains who Roadhog was enough, um, you know, the the biggest it does to me this does feel like a rework as opposed to more of a reinvention um i would comparing it to sombra who of course was the most recent rework before roadhog i think sombra's felt more like a reinvention of the character altogether they really wanted to um change the play style of that character to be more involved to be more active to be less passive um and more sort of able to contribute to the fight the larger fight as a whole whereas the roadhog changes feel more like they reworked how he played to make him more of a viable solution um and of course you know i'm not talking about pro level play because uh, i'm not there right but in what i saw in roadhog before if you were good with roadhog you could to an extent solo things now it feels like roadhog can tank uh, he's his his ability to actually provide protection to his uh, the team around him feels better than I think it did previously. Whereas previously, the ability to provide that protection was simply in his in his solo ability, right? In the fact that he could take you on by himself if he really wanted to. So, anyways, that's that's a look at the Roadhog rework. If you're curious more about you know, what the team's philosophy was behind all this and everything. I definitely would encourage you to check out this article on Polygon by Michael McWhorter. He really kind of dove deep into there. Um, and uh, also, I mean, Michael McWhorter, an OG of the, the games media industry. So go check this article out uh, from him if you're curious about a little bit more in-depth thoughts and a little bit of less of, uh, you know, my own thoughts on, on this rework. Now, we're through that. So we're going to rewind the clock a little bit here. Uh, and we're going to take a look at this BlizzCon 2023 summary. Now, of course, this was posted on r slash Overwatch by Alexia. 
Alexi A, I believe is how you would pronounce that. Um, and this was posted, of course, 11 days ago. So at the time of recording, this was posted November 4th, it looks like, maybe 5th. Um, but anyways, the point is, uh, I think this, this post here has a nice sort of overview of the big hits, right? Because honestly, I was impressed with how much they actually talked about Overwatch 2. I really got the sense that Overwatch is one of their key pillars uh, over at Blizzard. Of course, the the you know the other two big ones in the media right now being Diablo 4 and of course World of Warcraft, which is always big. But it really did kind of feel like um, there was a particular spotlight on Overwatch. Yes, some of the stuff they announced was like kind of lackluster in the fact that you know none of it was really coming right now or anything like that. Um, of course, the big thing that they did was they did allow Mauga to be um, played that weekend, um, not just at BlizzCon, but available to everyone. So I did have a chance to play the new hero, Mauga, um, who, of course, we'll talk a little bit about here. Um, but overall, um, it really kind of felt like like Overwatch was, was getting a lot of attention. And again, not that they had a ton to show off um, or not that they had a ton of tangible stuff to talk about right now. But they did talk about a lot of things. Um, and actually, I, I have a coworker and friend who went to BlizzCon. And one of the critiques he had as a World of Warcraft uh, fanatic was that Overwatch was was everywhere was and a big part of it. Um, and of course, World Cup was going on. So, you know, it took up a haul for that. But it also took up a haul just for sort of Overwatch in general. So anyways, uh, let's get in there. So this is, of course, the complete BlizzCon 2023 summary on r slash Overwatch by Alexi A. Posted 11 days ago. Uh, so, of course, they talked about Season 8, which is our upcoming season, um, which starts, I believe, on December 5th. So as we wrap up November, Season 7 will also wrap up, and Season 8 will start. So we got the announcement of Mauga, who is our newest tank hero. Um, Mauga, of course, we got an announcement trailer which i'm not going to play here just simply because if i do my sound is set to come through my computer speaker so you're all going to hear it um so we got a gameplay trailer for malga so we could actually see what he looked like we got his origin story of course uh heavily featuring his history or or lightly featuring at least his history with baptiste which we already knew about a little bit about and then of course we got the announcement that he would be playable uh through to november 5th of course this was announced on the weekend of the third fourth or fourth, fifth, technically, um, and that he would be the newest hero to join the fray um, on December 5th with the launch of Season 8. So let's take a quick look at his abilities. So, of course, he has two weapons. He has two chain guns, one on each hand. He has an incendiary chain gun, which is an automatic weapon that ignites enemies on repeated impacts. And then he has a volatile chain gun on the other hand, which is an automatic weapon that deals critical damage to burning enemies. So, of course, the interplay here is that the incendiary chain gun, which I believe was on your left hand as Malga, um, fires incendiary shots. And I believe they said uh, after 10 hits, uh, an enemy would become immolated. So they would catch fire. And then, of course, the volatile chain gun dealing critical damage to burning enemies comes into play there, where, of course, you unload incendiary uh, shots on someone. They become immolated. You unload uh, chain gun or, uh, I guess, volatile shots on them to do extra damage. He then has two abilities, one overrun, which is charge forward and stomp to launch enemies. You are unstoppable while charging, um, so almost you know, kind of the opposite to Orisa's uh, fortify ability. The interesting thing about this one, it came across very much as a Reinhardt charge to begin with, but it is very much more controllable than that. Um, in the uh, you know in in the training area, you can definitely navigate your way through some pretty busy areas. Uh, well using that overrun ability so that was pretty cool and then of course he also has the ability cardiac override where nearby allies take reduced damage and heal by dealing damage so um, a little bit of an interesting one here gives gives you an, a little bit of an ability to say hey this is your cue to push forward um, in that same vein kind of comes across a little bit junker queen-esque with her uh, her commanding shout, um, of course, which buffs everyone you know in a range around you. He then has a passive called Berserker, 
which allows him to gain temporary health when dealing critical damage. So a little bit interesting there. I'm not too sure how well that plays out, especially at higher levels of play. And then his ability is called Cage Fight. Now, Cage Fight, of course, he throws a small trap on the ground in front of him kind of thing. Um, and it deploys a barrier that traps yourself and enemies in this barrier. You gain unlimited ammo while you are inside, and of course, it is essentially a short 1v1 situation. Um, I didn't really get a good chance to... I mean, I played Mauga a little bit, and I you know, got him in some matches and things like that. I didn't really see this too much in action, uh, other than you know YouTube. But an interesting ability nonetheless. Now, the other interesting part of that is, of course, I saw a similar uh, ability shown off for a valorant hero as well um you know just that just the week prior to malga being announced so anyways interesting stuff that that's kind of the route they're going but uh could provide some very exciting matches so so that's malga in a nutshell um like i said december 5th is when we can expect to play him moving on from there they talked about hero mastery of course they announced that new courses will be available um i don't think they said season eight i think they want to i think i want or i want to say they said season nine or ten i believe they said in the new year we'll get new hero mastery so i guess it could be season eight we could get it halfway through season eight in that sort of mid-season patch um i wouldn't be too surprised to see it more like season nine though but they did announce new courses coming for diva echo genji lucio and may um i'm pretty excited to see what the diva one looks like of course i've talked before about feeling like the tank ones um are the most fun for me um, but I am also curious to see what the May one looks like. Um, I can only imagine what Echo, Genji, and Lucio will be like because of the mobility those characters have. Um, but for me personally, I think uh, Diva and May sound the most exciting there. They also announced that there will be a leaderboard reset uh, with these new Hero Mastery challenges coming. And of course, they will also be introducing a replay feature where you can actually go back, review your own um your own hero mastery attempt and kind of you know obviously make your own content from there or just you know study yourself and get better then they moved on to talking about 2024 so that all i believe yes that's all season eight so mauga is the big one and then more hero mastery courses so i guess they they did say that would be season eight i just realized um i would expect that mid-season or at the least i would expect two or three to drop at the start of season eight and then the other two or three to drop midway kind of thing moving on from there we go to 2024 new pvp game mode clash so clash is a mode that consists of five capture points positioned in a straight line on a mirrored map with the center point starting as the first active objective teams have to fight back and forth over the map pushing into enemy territory or defending their own once a team captures all five points or reaches the maximum score they win now there is an infographic explaining the mode that i'm going to pull up because it looks pretty cool um the way this works is very i mean i think that actually that summary kind of kind of describes it quite well um it's not quite a hard point uh and it's not quite a um flash point uh which of course is the latest mode we had just before this um because this is meant to be a mirror right Flashpoint is very much you don't know which point is coming up next they cap relatively quickly um and it's less of a tug and pull kind of thing this one of course you start at opposite ends of the map so in theory um it gives you the advantage of capturing your you know if you think about five points in a row it's one through five you capture point one on the one team you capture point five on the other team then you capture point two on the first team and you capture point uh four on the other team then you come into the center and of course there's that middle point that median point where you are then fighting for control and whichever team takes that, of course, they then want to proceed in the same direction, right? So team one is going from left to right. Team two is going from right to left. And your teams meet in the middle and have to battle it out kind of thing to take those subsequent points. Um, so honestly, relatively easy game mode to understand, um, but an exciting exciting way to, to position this. One thing I have questions about is, of course, the spawning. Um, you know, do you get further spawn points uh or do you get closer spawn points i should say is it going to work like push where you get a spawn advantage um depending on winning or losing are you both always spawning at the same point so then therefore um if you're the winning team you have a farther trek to make as the uh from your spawn that, that would probably make sense but anyways um it'll be interesting to see the 
launch map that will be coming with this is Hanaoka, which is, of course, a reworked version of the original Hanamura map. So um, one thing I've seen a lot is they're, they're talking a lot about it being a reworked Hanamura, um, but they also very clearly said that uh, if you look at this map, the temple in the center is uh, the temple that you went into to uh, fight over the second point in Hanamura. So to me, this is not a reworked Hanamura. It's a it's an addition to Hanamura, right? You could take the old Hanamura map, set it on a table or put it in a diagram, and you could attach this to another side of that temple, um, probably, you know, the backside that we never actually saw. So anyways, interesting stuff there and very exciting to see Hanamura coming back because, of course, Hanamura, one of the most, you know, probably picturesque maps from, uh, from the original game. So... Um, they did also provide an image of the sort of a high-level image of the layout of Hanaoka. Um, there isn't really too much to to say about that. It, it was high-level. It was not finished. Um, and, of course, the, the image of uh, the screenshots of the map that they showed off were finished, but, you know, don't didn't really give us a good indication of the actual layout. So Then, of course, we had Venture. So Venture is a new hero. Um and Venture, of course, is an upcoming damage hero that they mentioned will be released in the um, in Season 10. Now, one thing here, so in my summary here, that's all they have on Venture. But I know we've actually had a little bit more information provided about Venture, so I'm just going to pull it up here. Um, we did get a little tidbit of uh, gameplay of Venture. So, of course, a couple of things that we saw, um, they announced that this, this character would burrow into the ground um would would kind of pop out and uh and shoot at people of course this 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 hero i believe they talked about being some sort of archaeologist so it has the its gun kind of allows it to dig into the ground and then also fire burst shots um uh if i had to compare its gun to something i don't really have a good comparison right now um but it does have sort of a push forward ability where it kind of focuses in like a drill and more of a close range kind of drill melee ability but it almost pulls venture forward and then of course that ability to burrow into the ground uh looks actually pretty interesting looks like it's kind of a channeled thing or um where you you go into the ground and you are in there for a period of time unless you cancel out kind of thing so pretty interesting um they also of course mentioned that venture uses they them pronouns which is always exciting to see um good to get that kind of information especially so early on um and I'm just taking a look at some pictures here. Yeah, overall, I think they also, if I'm not mistaken, mentioned that Venture is our, you know, second fully Canadian character. Of course, uh, Farah being half Canadian, so they did specify that. Um, but I believe they mentioned that Venture will be another Canadian hero, so that's always exciting to see. Moving on from there, gameplay. Let's see what this is here. Um, oh, this is gameplay on Venture. Oh, silly me. If I just read on in my article, I would have figured out all of this so they showed off some concept art for venture which you can go find they also uh, showed off a little bit of gameplay footage and of course in-game um, ability tidbits that i just discussed primary fire shoots out an aoe projectile that travels a set distance and explodes on contact um, okay so that's that's kind of that um, to me it almost looks similar to sigma's balls but of course a lot less uh, range and then yeah more of an explosion when they hit uh, left shift burrows underground. While burrowed, venture cannot be damaged and can move in any direction. They can emerge from the ground in a vertical burst of movement, either at will or when the ability duration runs out. While emerge is fully charged, there's a brief AoE damage effect before venture boosts out of the ground. E is a forward dash that damages enemies in its path. Upon activation, grants 50 shield HP that decays over a few seconds, and the ultimate was not shown. So there you go. That's that's the little bit little bit of info about venture and then of course confirmed first non-binary hero using they them pronouns and a canadian archaeologist with quote an unquenchable thirst for treasures and hidden secrets so i really wish i had just continued reading in this description rather than trying to recall that from memory but anywho then of course they unveiled or or teased the next hero that will be coming after venture so of course we have malga coming in season eight here two seasons later in season 10 we have venture and then in Season 12, they announced that we are getting an upcoming support hero, uh, of which they showed off the official concept art. And uh, they talked very briefly about They didn't talk much about uh, this character. And they also didn't show off anything other than the concept art. 
Um, but they did mention this character comes from a colony set in Mars, highly mobile with a focus on verticality, and her gun is uh, no longer the burst fire SMG shown in the concept art. So there was uh, a bit of a small weapon shown off there in some of the concept art, but of course they said that you know this is all subject to change, and that has already changed. This character they refer to as Space Ranger, um, but that was all they really said about Space Ranger. So in my mind, I mean, Space Ranger looks pretty cool. I'm actually a big fan of the design of Venture, though. Um, I think I like these characters that kind of bring it back to Earth a little bit. Space Ranger, of course, is obviously quite the opposite of that, right? So yeah, moving on from there, um, they talked then about competitive. So competitive, uh, they said these changes will be coming in season nine. So not this year, but next. But the biggest thing that they talked about, of course, was the rework to the competitive system. So they mentioned a new rank ultimate, which is above Grandmaster. Uh, they said that they were getting rid of the five wins, 15 losses to get a new update on your rank. There will be a new competitive overview page that updates your progress after every match. So overall, just being more and more transparent with us. Of course, the competitive overview will also show your predicted rank while going through placement matches. So it kind of gives you a gauge of where it thinks you're going to place as you go through these placement matches. Um, a pre-match screen, which will show, oh, an update to the pre-match screen, which actually shows the range of um, the player's ranks that you're playing with. So, of course, uh, you know, previously you kind of had to guess. Um, I think in Overwatch 1 it actually showed an indication. This will show a range to say, okay, you're playing gold 1 to whatever. Uh, I guess gold, silver 1 to gold 5 or something like that, right? That would obviously be a relatively small range. But anyways, um, they also then mentioned that players across all ranks will be redistributed and there will be an annual rank reset, but it's not quite an MRR uh, reset, so... A little bit interesting there. Big thing here is there are images of that competitive overview page that they showed, and I think they're doing a good job of showing um, what is coming into play in calculating your rank. So they've got the you know your your overall rank, damage, gold one, big icon there. They've got a rank progress, which shows you you know uh, your progress to the next rank. And then they've got these little, uh, I don't know what to call them, little cues that kind of show you what is advancing your progress to that next rank. So in the image that they released as sort of an example, they have advantage listed, they have streak listed, and they have calibration listed. I'm not sure what calibration would be, um, or really what advantage would be. Streak seems obvious, but, but yeah, so exciting stuff there. They then also talked about new competitive rewards. So they mentioned emerald weapons as a new competitive reward. Um, and they, they teased some images. They did say these aren't final, um, but they showed off an image with uh, Reinhardt's hammer, Hanzo's uh, bow and arrow, or bow, I guess, uh, Soldier 76's gun, and then, of course, Zenyatta's balls, and they are all this crisp, clean green color that really pops. Um, and I, I honestly, I really like that. Um, I do find it a little bit interesting, though, because, um, like, you want to talk about obvious rewards i mean this is the most obvious way they could have gone yeah i wouldn't have necessarily picked green as the the choice or emerald um but yeah just like hey everyone has gold weapons so let's just make another color seems seems a little interesting but anyways they mentioned all current competitive points will be convert converted into a different legacy currency to be spent on gold weapons but emerald weapons will require a different type of currency that can only be earned once the changes roll out to clear up some confusion, you will still be able to get golden guns. It's just that now you will have the option to choose between gold and emerald. New competitive rewards will be announced on a yearly basis, and competitive challenges are being removed and replaced with a new competitive progress page. So, um, interesting that new competitive rewards will be announced on a yearly basis. Um, you know, that does kind of, I think, create a nice and interesting legacy to things, uh, where, you know, obviously you could say, Emerald is the 2024, uh, whatever you want to call it, reward. Um, maybe they go platinum after that. Maybe they go sapphire or something like that. I mean, I could easily see that being the case. Ruby at some point. Um, just go through all the precious precious gems, right? But anyways, interesting stuff there. They talked about matchmaking then. Most grouping restrictions have been removed. So basically they're saying, hey, you want to play 5v5 grouped up? Go for it. Um, when players in the same group have a large gap between ranks, like bronze between diamond, the group will be classified as a wide group, meaning that it will only be matched with other wide groups. 
So this should be big with uh, respect to finding matches, but also allowing people more freedom to play. Likewise, groups players with small gaps between ranks will be classified into narrow groups. The system will attempt to match players against others who have the exact same rank, but it's obviously not guaranteed. Solo queue players will only ever play with other solo queue players or players in narrow groups. So you'll never be in a situation where you are a solo group, you know, five individuals playing against a entirely grouped up group of five. Hero Mastery, of course, they talked about a new Hero Mastery mode called Hero Mastery Gauntlet, which will be coming in the next year, focused on three-player co-op. And Gauntlet will feature tower defense missions where you defend multiple objectives from incoming waves. Um, interesting thing here, uh, this this to me is um, kind of horde mode light, if you will, of course, from other popular games. Um, I like it. I'm, I'm a, I mean, I'm a big fan of tower defense, but Obviously, I'm a big fan of uh, this kind of uh, wave-based mission structure kind of thing. Um, so interesting that they're kind of wrapping that into Hero Mastery, but, I mean, hey, it could work. Then, of course, a couple more general things. They talked about the new push map coming that will be set in Peru. They did not um, actually show any images of it. However, they did hint at the fact that um, there were some teases to some of these things that they haven't announced yet um, throughout uh, some of the other stuff they showed off. They did also then mention that there's a new tank coming, uh, but of course we knew that if we follow the pattern uh, of these season hero releases. And then of course they talked about completing the premium battle pass will let you choose between claiming any previously unearned mythic skins or the current one. So they haven't said exactly when that will be coming. I don't think it's coming with season 8. Um, I think they would have said if it was planned for season 9, um, but maybe they're saving that as a big announcement. Um, but overall I think that's that's a great change, right? That, that definitely kind of gives people a bit more of the freedom that they want with the battle pass for me personally um you know uh, this season's um mythic skin of course uh season seven is the hanzo mythic skin which to me is a little bit lackluster hanzo being a character i never play and of course the uh, customization options being pretty minimal um i would rather honestly be earning the uh kiriko mythic skin from i believe season three um i got the season one uh, mythic skin of genji and then i didn't buy the battle pass for seasons two or three so i missed out on those i got season four with sigma i got season five with tracer um and then of course i got season six with whoever was season six i can't remember who season six was right now um but anyways i got all those ones uh but this the the, the halloween theme although i think it's a fun event and i like this stuff hasn't spoken to me that much so I would rather be earning progress towards the Kiriko skin, Kiriko being a support character that um, I enjoy playing more than a character like Hanzo. Um, I would also even, you know, go as far as to say I would I would work towards the Junker Queen mythic skin from Season 2 as well, just to get a um, a mythic skin for, or a cooler skin for Junker, uh, Junkrat, Junker Queen because I don't have any any big-time skins for her. So anyways, uh, that's, you know, I would be, I'm excited for that change. I think that's a good one and a good kind of, uh, goodwill move in terms of the battle pass they also mentioned new collabs have been confirmed but they didn't uh didn't announce any specifics on that yet but more to look forward to and then of course uh aaron keller i believe actually teased a couple of the new um themes that are coming so i'm very excited for this because one of the ones that he teased was eldritch horror which i think is fantastic and should be a lot of fun i'm very excited to see more cthulhu skins to go along with my my cultist skin for Zenyatta, Egyptian mythology, which should be badass, um, and hopefully, I would say, the return of Anubis in some way, um, whether it be a push map, a clash map, a flashpoint map, um, or just a mode that we already you know, know from a classic. Uh, that should be exciting. And then they also said witches, which is a bit of an interesting one, right? Um, I could easily see witches being rolled into something like Eldritch Horror or... Um, the Halloween event, but obviously they've got something else in mind. So, And of course, uh, Aaron also mentioned an alternate universe where heroes become villains and villains become heroes. So I'm always uh, big on, I mean, a little bit different, but gender swaps and things like that, um, but flipping the script a little bit. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so overall, like I said, they talked about a lot of stuff. They, they I don't want to say they announced a lot of stuff because really... They only announced a handful of things, right? They announced Mauga, um, you know, they announced new Hero Mastery, those coming in Season 8. They announced a new game mode, and uh, they they sort of teased a couple new characters. Um, and then they 
they talked a lot about this uh, competitive rework. There was a lot to present, but not a lot of concrete stuff, if you will. Um, it would have been nice to see them say, uh, I don't I don't know, I, I don't want to, you know, yuck their yums kind of thing. I think overall they did a really great job. Um, I wish they could have had more to say, hey, uh, either this is out now or this is coming in Season 8. Um, obviously we know that a new hero is is a lot of work and that's obviously where their efforts have been focused along with a new game mode and along with new maps coming right so um, I think the game mode may have been the biggest uh, sort of unknown I don't think we knew there was a new game mode in the works so I think that might have been uh, the biggest surprise for me at least um, aside from the fact that yeah they teased two new characters that I didn't think they would bother to show off but Overall, I'm seeing transparency, I'm seeing communication, and I'm seeing um, that they're not afraid to change things that aren't working. Yes, obviously the game's been out for a year now um, in terms of Overwatch 2, so maybe some of these changes should have happened a little sooner, but I have to feel like uh, a lot of these changes don't happen overnight, right? The competitive rework, um, it, it's basically they had been reworking competitive for Overwatch 2 for you know a year before overwatch 2 launch then overwatch 2 launches and you know they need some good data and they need some good time to say okay what's not working and and what are what feedback are we getting i'm sure it took them a good six months before they even decided okay let's rework it again right so anyways overall uh blizzcon had a lot to show off and uh and i'm pretty pleased with what we got um i think i have high hopes that you know they'll they'll continue this stride and this pace that they're on and uh, maybe next year we'll we'll get a little bit more concrete and maybe even, um, you know, if the game continues to be successful, maybe we'll get uh, more, more immediate information. So that, however, is, of course, going to be our recap of BlizzCon. And that takes us to the very end of the show. So let's just take a little minute here. We'll head on over and we'll close this thing out. This is it. Push forward. Thank you very much for listening to episode 131 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for returning. I greatly appreciate all the support that you bring me and uh, that I get. I would encourage you to reach out to me over on Twitter or X if you must, uh, where you can ask me questions, bring me comments, concerns, topics, whatever you want, and I'll bring it to the show, of course, as it relates to Overwatch's is the big one um, or the Overwatch League. But of course, video games in general, Blizzard games, whatever you've got, uh, I'd love to talk about video games. I've just sort of finished up uh, Platinum Spider-Man 2. Um, and now I'm kind of getting back into Overwatch, obviously, for, for the end of uh, the La Seraphim event and, of course, uh, wrapping up Season 7 here. Um, excited to get to Season 8 and try out Malga a little bit more, uh, get more comfortable with these Roadhog changes if I must. Um, but overall, I think the game is in a good spot right now. Um, I mean, it's interesting because uh, my co-host uh, Chris over on the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, which you can also check out on podcast services everywhere, um, he's been falling out of the game uh, largely. And, um, you know, he's he's always saying that, you know, he's, he's moving to other games that are um, making him want to play more than Overwatch is. Um, and for me, I'm just still having fun with Overwatch, honestly. Um, I am playing a lot of Mystery Heroes, which is kind of whatever um i would like to inch back into co-op or co-op sorry competitive but i almost think that you know knowing that competitive changes are coming i almost want to wait for those changes first just to really see um you know how those make me feel and if those change uh my opinion on things a little bit more because i definitely could see that happening right um if the competitive system is more a little bit more encouraging, but mostly more constructive in telling me either what I'm doing right or wrong or how I can be better, then I might be more inclined to get into competitive in a more serious way. Um, obviously, I'm never going to be a professional. I'm not going to go that hard into it, but I'd like to test it out and see what it's like once the changes come. So anyways, overall, I'm having fun with the game. Um, I'm making my way through the Season 7 Battle Pass. Um, I haven't completed it yet, but again, you know, I took quite a bit of a break there to get through spider-man 2 and was sinking a lot of time into that um but overall i am actually progressing through this battle pass um i would say easier quicker something like that uh than i have on most of the battle passes that i have not paid for most of the battle passes that i haven't paid for honestly 
I have not really played the game that much. I wasn't too interested in season two or three. I didn't have much pulling me in. Um, and this this season, I'm uh, I'm quite enjoying how things are playing. So, anyways, you can catch this podcast on all your favorite podcast services: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And check out the next episode of Ready Set Pwn. Uh, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant and Canadian Overwatch League action. Of course, it should post on uh, next Wednesday, the 22nd of November. So check out that episode for a special announcement about the future of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast. That's going to be it for us today on One Man Watchpoint. So we will catch you cats on the flip-flop later. Oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs>